Marini's Media. Totally Football Show Summer Special. Today, triumph for Tuchel as Leipzig barely tickle. We look back on the night the PSG canned Red Bull and booked their first ever place in a Champions League final. Then, after tonight's French victory over German opposition, we look ahead to tomorrow's game in which the Bundesliga could maybe get revenge. Bayern against Lyon. All that and more in this Totally Football Show Summer Special. Listener, you again. Well, it's Wednesday the 19th of August and you join us uh, in an auspicious recording of the Tony Football Show Summer Special because we've got Duncan Alexander on board. Hello, James, and hello, listener. That's sweet of you. And for the first time in our Summer Special series, we're joined by Michael Cox. Hey, Michael. Hi, James, and hi, everyone. I feel like David Pleat giving an introduction like that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so this is your first time on, you know, throughout this uh, Europa League and Champions League finale thing. Uh, you've been watching, I imagine, Michael. Yeah, I have. I think it's been quite enjoyable. I think tonight's game was probably the first uh, damp squib, I would say, from the Champions League games. But uh, in the rest of them, I think they've been pretty entertaining. And yeah, just the, the one-legged format gives it a bit of freshness, probably more chance of underdogs succeeding, as we saw in the uh, Manchester City game. So, yeah, I think it's been quite fun. And just the kind of condensed back-to-back format makes it, uh, you know, gives it a bit of, uh, what do you call it, momentum. It feels like it's just, uh, you know, ticking along nicely. Yeah, every night a different little storyline for you. And as you say, today's, whilst impressive from Paris Saint-Germain and for PSG fans, a memorable night indeed. I think for the rest of us, the first game that hadn't quite lit up the imagination. Which Of the other ones, which one really did set you on fire, though? Personally, I would say, I mean, I know the Bayern one was more eventful, but that was game over after half an hour. I thought the Manchester City game was was just so entertaining. I thought the way Leon played was was quite exciting in the first half. And then the second half, it felt like a matter of time until City turned it around. And then obviously Leon uh, won it in, in the closing stages. So, yeah, that was that felt to me like the kind of game that um, you're more likely to get from a one-legged match. You know, it felt fast. It felt frantic. It felt, you know... It was going to be decided on the night. And um, yeah, that was the kind of game that I was uh, kind of looking forward to. And, and the game we got. Mm. A one-legged match does sound like an entirely different sport. Duncan, what 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 game has really been your favourite so far? Well, I mean, Michael mentioned it there. But I mean, as a man who likes, you know, landmarks, I think you can't really look past the Bayern-Barca game. And I think the fact that Bayern have been so good uh, this year, for the whole of the year, you know, they are, without doubt, I think, the best team on the continent. And yet, that's why I felt like it was really important that PSG won tonight because I think, uh, you know, that sets up what potentially is going to be an all-time sort of classic final, potentially. You know, PSG is sort of collection of superstars against a really, really strong team. They've actually never played each other in a knockout game, which is strange. They've played a few few times in group stages. But, you know, for... And I know PSG don't have the most chequered uh, European history, but even so, you know, it's the, the biggest club in France against the, the biggest club in Germany, the two most important countries in Europe. Um, So, yeah. If if Bayern make it to the final. Yeah, that is assuming Bayern make it, but I I feel, you know, I feel they will. Clip that one up, producer Abby. (laughs) Only three games to go now. Uh, The second Champions League semi-final, and then you've got the Europa League final, and then on Sunday the Champions League final, which Tuesday night 
PSG cruise their way into. Let's talk about PSG and whether they are just as Duncan suggests a collection of superstars next. If you're not yet a subscriber to The Athletic, take out a 30-day trial to see their unrivaled coverage of each and every Premier League club by heading to theathletic.com slash totally. Di Maria qui va recentrer le ballon. Il est tout seul, Bernat Bernat Et le troisième but Et le troisième but pour le Paris Saint-Germain Marqué par Bernat avec cette balle qui traînait par là Live scenes from inside Julian Laurent's brain there as Paris Saint-Germain conquer a place in their first ever Champions League final. These farmers, pretty good at football, eh? Well, it is harvest season, isn't it? So let's be honest, it was always going to happen. It was straightforward. It was straightforward. It was comfortable stuff for Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that PSG won the game as soon as they saw Julian Nagelsmann's suit. I mean, I don't know... It's, it's a big call. Isn't it? I did think this is a bit Liverpool 1996 when he came out. You know, you just just wear something normal. Um, if only his his team had been designed to cause so many problems for anyone it faced, and so tight at the back. Indeed, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, there were at no point really did it look like Leipzig were were capable of uh, of beating PSG. And obviously, you know, getting Mbappe back's big, but I think Di Maria coming back is even bigger. You right, know, he is just he's such a good player and and we saw a lot tonight of you know oh if only he'd been this good at, at Manchester United and one of my big things with Dean Muir is that he actually was really good at Manchester United um, he's the only player in Premier League history to play one season in the Premier League and reach double figures for assists in that season it's not like he underperformed that season he got more assists in one season than Varon got in two but people still go, oh yeah but Varon actually if you look what he did he was okay Dean Muir was a waste of space he He's such a good player. He, uh, yeah, it didn't work out from there, but you know, it's good to see him, you know, perform at PSG. And he overtook Aguero tonight as the second most productive Argentine in, in Champions League his, history, obviously behind Lionel Messi. Wow, I've, I feel like I completely forgot about Di Maria coming into this game. He'd been suspended uh, for the for the previous tie with Atlanta, but he was. Uh, did we all forget about Di Maria a bit, Michael? Did you? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I agree with Duncan. I think he's been a really good player. I mean, great longevity as well. I mean, he, he moved mm. to Real Madrid 10 years ago now. And even before that, he, he was doing pretty well at um, in a really good Benfica side. Uh, I think the thing that Di Maria brings, he didn't necessarily see it tonight because I don't think he needed to, but I think he often gets miscast as just a, a pure winger. Whereas I think the type of player is he, he plays a bit deeper, he plays a bit narrower. His work rate has never been in question. I think he's been a really busy you know, combative player in in a kind of scrappy way uh, throughout his career, while also having the ability to play wonderful balls like he did tonight for the first goal for, for Marquinhos. So, yeah, I've always been a big uh, a big fan of him, and I'd say as well, you know, Duncan was um, saying it wasn't just about Mbappe; it was Di Maria. I'd also say Paredes coming in as well. I thought was excellent. I mean, the the midfield three that uh, Tuchel played in the quarterfinal against Atalanta, I thought was so slow and so, you know, it's basically three defensive midfielders or maybe that's a bit harsh on Ander Herrera, but with Marquinhos and Idrissa Gay and Herrera, that was just really flat and no one really willing to play a a risky pass. And I thought that's what uh, Paredes did really well. There was a ball in particular after about half an hour into the feet of Neymar between the lines that you have to be a really good passer to even think about playing that pass, not just, you know... uh, sideways balls it was penetrative passes between the lines and mm. against a side that's usually as, as compact and well organized as uh, Leipzig I think they needed that tonight 
All right. Although filth award of the evening probably went to Neymar's sole of the of the boot while leaping in the air assist for a Di Maria's goal. Yeah, no, brilliant. I mean, I think Neymar's had a he had he's had a very uh, sort of classic Neymar Champions League in this sort of restart in that his finishing's been pretty woeful, but his creativity's been incredible. Um, you know, he hit the post a couple of times tonight. Um, Producer Abby, among many people, pointing out he did a Joe Bryan special by, uh, you know, shooting when it looked like he was going to cross and hit the post. So not quite a Joe Bryan. Um, he also tried to do a David Nugent by uh, <laughs> following in the third goal and from beyond the goal line. Um, probably the first plus one XG goal I've ever seen, actually, if, you, uh, if you're going to give it to Neymar. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's world class and... You know, going back to what I said earlier, if assuming Bayern do get to the to the final, one of Neymar or Coutinho is going to win the Champions League, which again will will not be a, a good look for Barcelona. Wow, that's so true. This notion that PSG are a collection of superstars rather than a kind of a team in the the regular sense is one that they've done a lot to earn themselves over over the years, and particularly in the Champions League. Is that a fair description of them when they play the way they did this evening, Michael? Well, I think it was very different to um, to the way they played against Atalanta and the way they've played in previous years. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with, with your implication in your question that they played very collectively and very well tonight. I mean, coming into the game, I would say that PSG is stronger than Leipzig in almost every area aside from pressing high up the pitch. That was the area where I thought, well, if Leipzig are going to cause problems, it'll probably be because of that. But one, Leipzig didn't really press high up the pitch at all. They they kind of stood off in their own half and mm. PSG actually did press. And a lot of their chances came from winning the ball high up, helped by the fact that uh, Golaski and uh, the, the Leipzig defenders really played their way into trouble. But yeah, I mean, if, if PSG are kind of adding work rate and, you know, team play without the ball to their repertoire then they're a seriously, seriously good side. And, you know, that would be the, the one question I'd say going into the game against Bayern, because obviously Bayern, as we saw against Barcelona, we're, we're doing that. Assuming that Bayern defeat Leon tomorrow, which, of course, they may not, because you never know in football. It's a funny old game. Yeah, especially in one-legged uh, matches, you know? So, yeah. I mean, just to back up the point about the lack of Leipzig pressing, Kimpembe made 70 passes in the first half and completed all 70. So, I mean, that's not a sign of a man under pressure, really. Mm. Leipzig perhaps feeling a little bit the magnitude of the, of, the, of the fixture they'd reached, the Champions League semi-final. It is disappointing, no doubt, for them to, to go home with such a flat performance, but pretty amazing that they got all this way. Uh, the question that I'm sure will be in a lot of their supporters' minds, would it have been any different with a Timo Werner up front? I mean, I think they would have had more chance of winning. They, they certainly would have been able to turn the PSG defence a lot quicker, maybe force them to play deeper. But it felt to me like it was quite a comprehensive victory for, for PSG. Not just in terms of the scoreline, just because I just wasn't in any doubt at any point. I mean, they completely dominated the first 10 minutes, went 1-0 up. And I can't ever really remember thinking that Leipzig were going to get back into it. So, yeah, that, that's the one frustration, I think, for you know, a couple of the outsiders in this tournament that we haven't seen them. I mean, um, sorry, we haven't seen their best players. The same for Atalanta and Ilicic. I mean, I think mm. had Atalanta had Ilicic, then maybe PSG could have gone out in the last round. But, uh, you know, it's, um, it tends to be the way with the, the smaller clubs. They do depend on their star individuals, maybe more than the bigger clubs. Um, although that said, of course, PSG had, had looked much better with their star man back as well. Mm. Are you talking about Di Maria or Mbappe? Uh, well, I would have said Mbappe is a star man, mm. but yeah, with, with Di Maria back as well. 
speaking of star men, will Icardi, do you think, get back into the team for the final? I can't see that personally. I thought he was really quite peripheral in the quarterfinal. And I thought it was interesting that uh, Tuchel left his his first 11 out for quite a while without making subs, considering the game was pretty much done. I would think that's because he wants to give him harmony on uh, on the field ahead of naming an identical 11 for the uh, final against Bayern or Lyon. Uh, just to sort of back up Michael's point about PSG now being, you know, much more of a team than they used to be. They, this was the 34th game in a row they'd scored in the Champions League, which is uh, equaled the record uh, held by Real Madrid. The last time they didn't score in a Champions League game was way back in 2016 against Manchester City, who had Joe Hart in goal and a central defence of Mangalo and Otamendi. Um, and that obviously saw City through to the semi-finals, a, a stage they have not reached uh, since. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think PSG have, have really kind of come out of their shell. And again, we, we need to reiterate that we're kind of assuming they're going to play Bayern. But I've, it's going to be, that is a that is a good final, with a caveat. Sorry, Leon. Right. Well, very, very shortly, we'll have a look at uh, Bayern's prospects of making it to Sunday's game. They're taking on Leon. Bayern, very much the favourites for the competition coming into it. Leon, probably the weakest rated of any of the teams in the competition. So a bit of a mismatch this, but we'll be asking our friends Raphael Honigstein and Julian Arons what they make of Leon's chances. The Premier League season is over and any other summer, footballers will be heading off to sun themselves on a yacht in the Mediterranean. This year, they're all enjoying themselves in England. Oi, get that thing out of the way and put a top on. This ain't Saint-Tropez, it's Grimsby. Ah, the Monaco of the North. So spare a thought for those footballers still hard at work in Europe. To support them in their plight, Paddy Power are giving money back as cash on all markets if Inter Milan beat Sevilla in 90 minutes. This match only, online exclusive, £10, max cash refund, pre-match singles only, 18plusbegambleaware.org. This is the Totally Summer Special by the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Hello, guys. Hello. Hi, James. Leon Bayern. Leon beating Bayern would be the upset of all time. Why might it happen? Rafa. It might happen because over one leg, as we've already seen, James, a lot more is possible than otherwise would be in the Champions League. And there's something, I think, in the characteristics of this team that would actually pose some risks to Bayern, which is the ability to play on the break and to play with fast players behind and be quite direct. The two games that Hansi Flick has lost, only two games since he's taken over in November, he's won every other game and drawn only one, were against two sides, and Borussia Mönchengladbach and Leverkusen, who played on the break and who just went long behind Jerome Boateng in particular and exposed Bayern. Okay, actually Bayern still played well enough in those two games to win the game. But they didn't. And I think there is a certain degree of awareness and caution because the Bayern hierarchy realised that with their high line and their their way of playing, uh, Lyon is actually, I wouldn't say a more dangerous opponent than, than Manchester City because they're not, but the kind of team with the kind of setup that they have to take very, very seriously. So I don't think you will get into the scenario where they will somehow underestimate them or you know think that this game is already won mm. I think they'll be quite quite aware um, that Leon can really hurt them with the way they play Jules what do you think why might Leon dream 
because they've got no pressure. No one expected them to get that far. Certainly no one expected them to beat City and Juventus over the two legs. And they're here. That's what they did. Everybody is fit. Everybody is ready. They certainly physically feel great. And the five-month break or four-month break because of the lockdown and Liga not restarting doesn't seem to have been an issue so far. And also because they really believe that their game plan, what all their game is about, could be a problem for Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich play with a very high line and Lyon love playing against a, a team with a high line because as we saw against Manchester City, Carl Tokoekombi makes very intelligent runs diagonally, especially in behind the less quicker players, if you want, in that back three or back four. We saw it against City when he could have run in or tried to run in behind Laporte, for example, but no, he chose to run in behind Garcia and, and Fernandinho, as we saw on the first goal which was the right thing to do. So they're very clever in the way they go forward and the way they break and the way they counter, the way they play the ball over the top as well, sometimes to bypass their midfield. But that midfield is still their main asset. Those three kids they have there, Kakre, who's 20, Guimaraes, who's 22, and Awa, who's 22, can play under pressure. They can get the ball out from the back, play from the back, build from the back, and can find their, their wing-backs and their strikers quite easily as well because they're that good on the ball. And that's, that's what the game plan would be. And I do think that if you play against Barcelona, if you buy Munich, the way Barca played suits you so well. If you play against this Lyon team, albeit not as talented as you, the way they play is not so much suited for your game. So mm. I think that's why they can have some hope. That's all very nice. But now let's hear why it won't happen. First of all, Jules... 33% possession against City. Give Bayern 67% possession and, and see what happens to you. Yes, and I'm, I'm really hoping that NC Flick with uh, Channel is in uh, Pep Guardiola and decide to play with the back three uh, with Sule, Boateng and Alaba. And then he can put, let me think, he can maybe put Perisic as a left wing back and Davis as a right wing back and mess everything up, you know. I don't think he will do so. Yeah, 30% was really low and I think Bayern Munich will just come and come and come again and at some point you will break. Also, it won't happen again because I do think that this is a step higher even over City and I wonder if their ceiling was that quarterfinal and what they did against City and they, they can't really just go higher than that unless Bayern are, have enough there, which is, I guess, possible. If the referee is not as good, like we saw on the second goal against the City as well. But they will need a lot of things going their way, Lyon, I think, to, to win this one because I think this is maybe the limit that this squad, as, as, good, as great as they've done so far, this squad can go. Um, and with all the talent that they have in midfield, under the pressure of Goretzka and Thiago or Kimmich or whoever plays in that midfield, totally so, it might be too much this time. The problem is I don't think that Lyon can play any differently. I mean, they're good on the ball. They like to to keep the ball if possible. But the way that they're set up in this tournament with five at the back and and, and then three in midfield, is very difficult to to dominate um, uh, to dominate the play. So they are set up to be quite reactive. They are set up to be quite direct. It has worked twice. I don't think they will change. And Bayern, you know, it'll be difficult for them to get through um, five in a line makes it difficult to stretch. They won't have the same impact uh, on the flanks. They might have to be a bit more deliberate in the build up, a bit more um, you know, careful, not re relying so much on the pressing because Leon will get rid of the ball much quicker, uh, unlike Barcelona. But at the same time, as you said, 
Bayern, with a lot of the ball, with the quality that they have, will probably eventually find the way through. So I think Jules might secretly be a little bit worried that if Leon were to go behind, that there wouldn't really be any comeback from them. Yes, that's right, Rafa. You're right. This is a team that is designed to not chase a game if you want. If they're nil-nil, they're great. If they go ahead, even greater. But if they start going one nil down and falling behind, I think that's where they, they, they will struggle to, to get to the next gear and try to, to attack in a different way because, like Rafa rightly said, this is not their game. So as long as they're nil-nil and they're still in the game, it's great. They will be dangerous for sure. They will have to be clinical. They know that. They will have maybe one chance, half a chance, two chances maximum, and they will have to be very, very efficient. But if they start going one nil down, especially if it's early in the game and they have to chase the game, then I think it could get quite ugly for them. Also, Rafa, Bayern are a team on a mission as rarely seen in this sport. Hansi Flick with the best win percentage ever among Bayern Munich managers. And in the Champions League this year, it doesn't matter who they play or what kind of football that team espouses. They've won all nine games in the competition this season. Yeah, they have. And of course, some of them are still played under, under Niko Kovac. But it is certainly true that um, Bayern have looked irresistible of late. Um, I think it's not a coincidence that they have really emerged as such a strong team in these weird football lockdown conditions without the fans. I think they have an in- incredible high level of, of intrinsic motivation and ability to self-coach themselves. And that's really coming to the fore now. With Bayern, you feel there's always someone within the team that shouts at somebody else or helps them or you know guides them. They're so vocal um, and they're so committed to each other, which you know is not the main reason why they're playing so well, but I think it's part of the reason. Um, and I, I just haven't seen that kind of blend between togetherness and quality from anyone else. I think PSG have looked much more like a team than we give them credit for. But I think Bayern, in terms of how they, they, they're able to, to help themselves do the right stuff on the pitch or on a different level. And I think it could well make the biggest difference uh, when it comes to the last stages of this Champions League. Mm. Plus, Bayern have got Lewandowski. Sorry, Lewandowski. It's toying with Barcelona now. It's toying with them, look. Coutinho. Oh, it's an easy goal for Lewandowski. It's six. It's a landslide. Robert Lewandowski scores for the 54th time in Bayern colours this season. <laughs> I find that really funny. <laughs> Lewandowski. <laughs> uh, but his real name is Lewandowski, right? Yeah, <laughs> Lewandowski. He scored 14 goals in the Champions League this year. That's as many as the whole Lyon team put together. That's right, James. But let's see what Lewandowski does against Marcelo. That's, he has never played Marcelo this season. He's never played Marcelo this season. Or Marcel. Or Denayer. Or Lopez in goal. So let's see what he does. Well, so far he's scored against pretty much everybody, Rafa. I mean, he's been in sensational form. Of course, he benefits from the team around him creating all these chances. It's also a slightly different makeup. If you go back to the Bayern team that last won it in 2013 and then you know came close in the, in the ensuing years... It was the team of Robin and Ribéry. And those were guys who would often look to cut in and shoot themselves. Um, Gnabry does the same. Perisic or Coman do the same. But they're also much more 
willing to look for Lewandowski. And with Müller behind him, who loves to uh, create spaces for himself, and for Lewandowski, who loves to make runs, who loves to play one-twos, I think Lewandowski just has the best support he's ever had since, since moving to Bayern. And he's also in great shape. I mean, the guy just holds up the ball really well, moves really well. There's no injury problems. He's just been, he's just been wonderful. And um, I think any, any team would, would love to have him at this moment in time. So, guys, predict the score. Rafa. I'm going to go for a 2-0 win for Bayern. And then for the full time? <laughs> no, over 90 minutes. Uh, Jules, what do you think? Uh, as much as I would love to say a Lyon 1-0 win in the 89th minute or something like that, I don't care. Anything with someone's calf or thigh or whatever, I have, I have to be objective and realistic and I think Bayern would be too strong and I can see Bayern winning 3-1. Okay, no kind of 8-2 scorelines then? I don't, I don't think Lyon would be humiliated. I don't think they will collapse and be a shambles like like Barcelona I think they are well disciplined and well drilled and I just think that sometimes you lose against a better side than you I don't think City were better than them I don't think Juventus were better than them that's why they went through I think that Bayern would be better than them and no shame if they do get beat because they made it all the way to a Champions League semi-final you're right absolutely and I think they will take a lot of pride in this if you remember in the group stage and at the draw with Zenit Benfica and RB Leipzig not many people even thought they could come out of that group, mm. let alone then reach the semi-final. So well done to Rudy Garcia, to his players, to have created that togetherness and that team spirit that we've, we've spoken a lot on the show already to get that far. And now, well, if he stops there, it's still great. And if they go one more ahead, I mean, this would be just incredible. Amazing. An all-French final. <laughs> oh, my God. You wish that's not going to happen. I'd love to uh, Everybody, see it. the whole country wishes because I'd be unbearable. World Cup winner and the whole French Champions League final this you don't want to see it <laughs> <laughs> what a what a fantastical notion that that Jules could ever be unbearable well you heard the guys Michael what's your take on Leon's chances and uh, Bayern in general yeah Bayern look I think the most complete team in the tournament I agree with what Rafa says about their high defensive line. Obviously, that was the way that Leon exploited Manchester City very effectively on occasion in the uh, quarterfinal. I mean, Bayern's line was just... I know they won 8-2, but there was moments where I was really questioning quite how high they were playing. There was one point where they were playing so high up that they didn't just catch uh, catch Messi and Suarez offside. They also caught the referee offside as well. (laughs) The referee was 15 yards behind the defensive line, which... You just don't see. The referee's meant to be in the middle of the action, isn't he? But that's how much they were squeezing the play. Um, yeah, I think Leon will have chances on the break. I also wouldn't mind Leon getting to the final because I'm then going to refer to it as a repeat of the 2017 UEFA Women's Champions League final, mm. which I think will probably really annoy some people on Twitter. Uh, that match was nil-nil and decided on penalties. And the the decisive penalty was missed by the PSG goalkeeper, Katarzyna Kidranek. So she will be particularly keen for PSG to uh, get revenge uh, right. over Leon should they meet in the final. Yeah, more well, Didn't the, um, the recent Coupe de la Ligue final between the men's team end 0-0 and go to penalties? So it did. You are spot on. There is an omen looming over us. Hmm. When you look at Hansi Flick's Bayern, which uh, I believe I'm right in saying, Duncan, is off the charts vis-a-vis the statistics, Yes. 
They are they have the best goals per game ratio of any team in Champions League history. Yeah. He's got the highest win percentage of any Bayern manager ever. Yeah. They've won 27 of the last 28 games, including the last 19 in a row, scoring 3.4 per game. You know, Lewandowski can eat, can go level with Van Nistelrooy with scoring in nine consecutive matches behind he, only Cristiano Ronaldo. He, he can also wins. match Gerd Muller's record well, for a mm. goal scored in a in a in all competitions in a season. He, he couldn't quite do the Bundesliga one, but that would be amazing. 55, he's on 54. It's madness. Yeah, well, Gerd Muller records reminds me of the old Messi calendar year thing. Do you remember when he beat that? And then the mm. the, the Zambian man uh, was posited as the actual winner, but no one could confirm it. So I know Michael <laughs> hates the uh, calendar year, <laughs> rightly dislikes calendar year stuff. But is it is it just me, or has the whole vogue for calendar year stats uh, dwindled somewhat? You don't hear that yeah. anymore. No, I think they people realise that when your season runs from, you know, generally from August to May or June, then a calendar year makes no sense at all. But we're now in a scenario where we're playing the semi-finals of the Champions League in uh, late August. So mm. maybe they'll make a comeback. You never know. Perhaps. Michael, um, no doubt there will be a sequel to Zonal Marking in which you detail the, the classic, the formations, the tactics, the teams that have shaped European football. Does this Hansi Flick Bayern merit a chapter of its own? Um, probably not. I mean, I, I don't think that they've really done anything revolutionary or anything game-changing. I, I just think they are a really well-organised side with good players in almost every position. I, I think mm. they are a little bit like the Bayern side of, of 2013. I just think they do everything well. You know, that Bayern side almost succeeded Guardiola's Barcelona as the best team in Europe, and they were very different. I mean, Guardiola's Barcelona were good at playing one particular way and had lots of weaknesses. The Bayern side that the following couple of years didn't have any weaknesses, and that's pretty much how I feel about this side. With the exception of the high defensive line, I can't really see how teams will get at them. They just seem really solid, obviously used the ball really well in midfield with Thiago, has been in great form, and lots of different tactical options going forward. So, yeah, I don't think they're a particularly interesting side, but they're unquestionably a really good side. Hmm. They're pretty fabulous to watch, though, when they do their thing, which they, they generally come out and do. Obviously, last Friday was a particularly extreme example of that. All right, well, they will be what Leon is facing, and best of luck to Rudy Garcia's uh, team. Uh, we'll have a chat about one or two more salient issues from this grand finale of the European competitions in a moment or two. But first of all, here's Lee Price of Paddy Power. Hello again. Now, I'm going to start today's segment with a bit of a pre-warning. I've read out a lot of numbers in my time, and I have to tell you, the numbers I'm about to read out don't reflect the norm for a Champions League semi-final. Okay, so here we go. Bayern are the favourites to go through. Fair enough. We make them a whopping 1-5 to to win this game, though, with Leon priced at a distant 10-1. to To be fair... They were 11-1 to to beat City, Leon, so it is some improvement at least, but that is pretty emphatic. Extra time is rated at 6-1, to with Lewandowski and Nabry both considered odds-on to score inside the 90 minutes. Moussa Dembele is rated most likely to score for Leon. it's 12-5, to he scores any time, but we make nine Bayern players more likely to score. Yikes. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop. 
Listener, leagues around Europe are beginning to get started again. We heard yesterday from Tom Williams about the issues facing League 1. Of course, up in Scotland, they are well underway now, and so is the Totally Scottish Football Show. Uh, this week's edition, actually, Michael was referencing uh, Women's Champions League. It actually uh, talks about Glasgow City, who are going to be in action in that competition. It's the last eight of the Women's Champions League. Uh, they play on Friday, and then Arsenal are up against PSG on Saturday. Big games. Uh, now, in the men's competition, Michael, one of the big stories of this past week has been Manchester City's exit, unexpectedly at the hands of Leon, because Pep did a Guardiola on himself. Now, that was the story the first day. The next day, then, there were other versions of this whereby possibly he was actually setting his team up to have a bit of a dummy run ahead of maybe facing Bayern in the final. Do you think that he, that Man City's exit was down to Pep's mistake? Do you think that it, it's just a question of the result not going Man City's way and then therefore everyone second guesses him? What was your take on what they did against Leon? I just thought the side was too defensive. I, I don't think it was about the formation changes such. I think there was some merits to playing the three at the back uh, for that game. Whether he was preparing for Bayern, I don't know. But I just thought the players in in almost every position were too defensive. I mean, the you know, Kyle Walker could have been played as the right-sided centre-back and you could have had a proper attacking full-back who, who could play on the right flank and then that could have been Cancelo on the other flank. Then you could have had Benjamin Mendy who could have stretched the play. I thought Rodri and Gundogan together in midfield was, was pretty cautious. The centre-backs didn't really bring the ball forward very well. So, yeah, for me, it wasn't necessarily about the changing of uh, the formation. It was just the, the actual personnel. You mm. expect City to be overloaded with attacking midfielders, but you looked at that side and they didn't, you know, with the exception of De Bruyne, obviously, they, they just didn't have enough creativity, enough technical quality. I thought it was, uh, yeah, I thought it was just too cautious from Guardiola. We talked about it on Friday night, didn't we, before the game, and I said I thought Foden would play just because since lockdown, his relationship with De Bruyne has been incredible. You know, he's been playing further forward and, and they've really kind of dovetailed. Um, and like Mike said, he didn't play. He had both the Silvers on the bench. Mares came on at halftime, but, you know, also on the bench. It was pro- possibly the most attacking bench in the history of the Champions League, but, you know, it was just a waste. The other issue about this was the fact that it took him beyond Mares so long to make any other changes to the team, even though clearly it hadn't been working. Why do you think that he stuck with that plan for so long? Well, in fairness, I mean, when he brought on Mahrez, it was for Fernandinho. So he went from three at the back to 43-1. And from that moment onwards, I thought they were I thought they were on top. I thought they were creating chances. So I wouldn't really blame him too much for not changing things further at that point, personally. Maybe he could have brought off one of the holding midfielders and, and brought on David Silva. But... I thought it was the first 55 minutes. I thought they just really wasted that. You know, even after they went behind, you expected a reaction. You expected them to, you know, be a bit more forceful in their play. But I thought they were just incredibly passive. They couldn't move the ball forward from what was essentially a, you know, a block of seven defensive players. And the three attacking players just seemed completely isolated. So, yeah, I'd look at the first half rather than the second half for where they went wrong, personally. Mm, fair enough. All right. And on a more positive note, uh, when you look back on the. 12 days or so of these tournaments so far. Has there been anyone who's really surprised you? Any Anybody who's made you think, good Lord, I didn't realise they, they were that good, or either as a team or a player? I'd say Sabitza for um, for Leipzig. Kind of knew of him, but um, didn't expect him to kind of dominate the game uh, to the extent that he did against Atletico. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm impressed with him. And also, I mean, a player that's been around for a while, but it's just good to see Thiago 
playing really well because I remember when he came through at Barcelona, I thought, well, okay, he's going to be the the next Xavi and just dominate, you know, quarterfinals, semifinals of the Champions League for for years to come. And we, we haven't really seen that from him at Bayern, partly because of injuries. But he looks, you know, close to his best form. So, um, yeah, I'll be interested to see him play in the in the semifinal and maybe final. Perhaps. What about you, Duncan? I think we've been spoiled really with the Champions League the last few seasons and, and how good it is and it's kind of continued you know even a, a global pandemic and having to play games behind closed doors hasn't really impacted on the the kind of entertainment and enjoyment you know we're it's 3.26 goals per game in the Champions League this season which is the highest ever in a Champions League season I mean it's perhaps not surprising that Bayern are doing so well because Germany is traditionally the the league that that has a plus three kind of goals per game rate we haven't seen that in the English league since the 1960s. You know, these are the best players in the world playing for the best teams, doing the best stuff. And uh, yeah, it's just been, you know, everyone's kind of enjoyed the format as it's been like a mini World Cup. As I said the day, like a World Cup, we were allowed to buy players and coach players. And that's kind of how it feels, really. Mm. Well, only two more games left in it in the Champions League and just the one for the Europa League. But of course, Tony Football Show, something special is going to be across them all. Brilliant. Next one is up on Wednesday evening. And, of course, we'll be back here on Thursday morning with our thoughts on Leon's extraordinary win, stroke, Bayern's relentless thrashing of the uh, unfortunate uh, side from uh, the Rhone. It's the Rhone, isn't it? It's the Rhone Valley, yeah. It's yeah. lovely. Nice. All right. Anyway, all that, all that sort of thing. Super. Michael, thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure, as always. Good. And also, Duncan... And many thanks to a special guest producer, Abby, and you, listener. Have yourself a great Wednesday, and we'll catch up with you after. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and follow us at The Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual places, or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. Muddy Knees Media.